Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. It's your host, John Bucks, podcasting from the mountains in upstate New York. And I'm joined, as always, from sunny California by my good friend and co-host, Brian Chen. Chen, how we doing, baby? Game week two in the books, Bucks. You're finding yourself in the mountains outside of New York City for some fresh air. And we got some fresh takes this week as we head into game week three. We had some thrillers between the likes of Conte and Tuchel, and we've also had a letdown from Liverpool and everything else in between. So can't wait to get into it this pod. Yeah, it's been a really fun start for the Premier League season, uh, a little less so for FPL. But with that, Game Week 1 and Game Week 2 now officially in the books as we go into Game Week 3. Most engaged FPL managers will have a chance to use their first free transfer of the season. And what that means is that the variance and the chaos is fully on starting in game week three. So this is when the fun, when the wackiness really kicks off and gets going. So I'm excited. I know you are too, Brian. Oh yeah. Two free transfers bucks. That's uh, usually a rarity because I know you and I love to tinker and make lots of swaps throughout the season, but we're going to try and practice a little bit more patience this year and hopefully make some bigger moves or focus on our weakest links each game week. So let's get into it, Bucks. How did you do in game week two? I did pretty nicely. I got 73 points all out. I captained Erling Holland, which was always the plan and why I had him from the start of the season. But he slightly disappointed. He only had eight touches in the match. Fortunately, one of them led to an assist. And so he ends up with 10 points with the captain's armband. But still, fortunately, he outscored Mo Salah, who was the other very popular <laughs> captain. Um, very fortunate to, there. Yeah, we got we got pretty lucky, to say the least. Um, Gabriel Jesus looked incredible. He had 19 points. Cancelo, 11. Martinelli with eight. And rounded out with contributions from Trippier and Reese James, who each did seven points. So a uh, really good start to the season for me. And most importantly, at this point, I secured my first green arrow of the season. So I'm pretty plussed about that. How about you, Brian? Yeah, likewise, I'm also on a green arrow. It's easy to start the season Ooh. with a with the green when uh, we get the first results from game week one. I ended up on 67 points, uh, also had Holland captains. So this is actually two back-to-back 67-point performances. So my team is, uh, you know, moving along a bit, a bit average, but uh, hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll take it. I think at the moment I have a couple weak links in my team. I'm gonna hopefully sort that out. Bailey being one of them. He was benched this week. I started him for a one-pointer. Liverpool defense. Oof, that double up on Robbo and Trent has not yielded the results I thought they would versus the likes of Fulham and Crystal Palace. So they got me crying a bit. Ain't that the truth, but at least you're consistent. And uh, so is the FPL game week average uh, for the second week in a row also is consistent on 57 points all out. So uh, both Brian and the average FPL manager need to step it up uh, as we get into the meat and potatoes of this season. Yeah, I think a lot of managers had, you know, the likes of Holland and uh, maybe Kane or possibly Sala as their captain, but anybody who captained KDB. Whew, they were flying. He was the star premium player of the game week. And I think our manager of the game week, Corby Olsen, he throws down an incredible 94 points off the back of a 28 point performance from KDB. Very, very well done. 
94 points. I mean, let's take a victory lap for Corby. Holy cannoli. And it's worth mentioning that Corby didn't have KDB to start the season. So he made a really shrewd transfer move. He started with Youngman Sung. He transferred him out, brought in KDB, slapped the captain armband on him. And bravo, because he is absolutely flying. He is not only the manager of the game week for game week two, but he is also top of the table in the FPL Blues Podcast <laughs> League. So uh, congratulations to Corby. Flying start from you. And we all are eating his dust at the moment. So we have some catching up and improvement to do. And we're going to hopefully help you do that. I mean, obviously a marathon, not a sprint, but Corby is off to a very big lead. I think he's sitting in the top 10,000 in the world after two game weeks. So very impressive, especially when you look at the, my my start where I'm at like 1.3 million OR. So room for improvement, but Corby is off to a great start. So well done. And hopefully the likes of KDB as a differential can continue to haul for him. I know I'm jealous that he has him in his squad. Ain't that the truth. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to recap the matches in game week two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're going to break down this weekend's fixtures, starting with Everton 1, Villa 2, Lampard versus Gerard. What did you see here, Bucks? Well, classy, classy result from Gerard. He gets the win, but he really sucker punched a lot of FPL managers. I know you teased it in our open. Uh, Leon Bailey gets benched. He is someone who... He was just going waxing poetically about how good he is. He's healthy. He's fit. He's motivated. And then what's he do? He slaps him on the bench. So that was that was pretty tough to stomach this, for a lot of this, Ger- this Gerard guy. This Gerard guy is quite the fraud. I don't know what he's doing managing his team and then to just pump up Bailey owners. He must have known his ownership percentage in FPL. You have to believe that. Gerard sold Bailey going into game week two. Uh, he saw something in training or whatnot. That's insider trading bucks. I, I want to call for a recall of this Gerard fellow. Yeah, we need to do an investigation. But you know what? He picked the right squad because he started with Ings and Watkins as kind of the double pivot up top. And they both were fantastic. I think Watkins jumped off the screen for me. He was the best player in this match. He ends up with two assists and three bonus points for 11 points and Ings classy opening goal. He had a turn and strike and he ends up with one bonus point because he gets a stupid yellow card. So he only ends up on six points, but uh, both those guys really looked the part. And I think if you have Leon Bailey in your FPL team, probably time to start looking elsewhere and transfer him out. Villa have, some tough fixtures coming up. They play away to Crystal Palace, home for West Ham, away at Arsenal, and then home for Man City in the next four. So that is murderer's row. And so it's time to set them adrift if you have them in your FPL team. Yeah, one other call out in this game, I want to talk about Buendia. I know I was very critical of Coutinho last week and Buendia came onto the pitch and he looked awesome. Um, He gets the second goal in this one. And I think it's really up to... Gerard to break that link between Coutinho and really rotate him and Buendia in that um, in that whole spot behind the two strikers. So I, I really expect Buendia to make more of an effort here from FPL perspective coming up. Yeah, and worth mentioning that 
Matty Cash picks up a muscle injury in this match. He had to be subbed off. So that could be a transfer and kind of fire in your FPL team that you'll need to address going into game week three, which is unfortunate. And Lucas Dean, he scores a own goal. The master troll himself. (laughs) He had an own goal when he was on Everton playing against Villa. And this season he's on Villa. He scores an own goal for his former club for Everton. So this guy can't catch a break in this matchup. Yeah. I think a lot of managers who started him, they'll really be sour about his minus one. Uh, And there was actually a number of players this game week who were actually decently owned in FPL and they put up some clunkers cue our chats later about Mitro and Nunez. So, uh, all right, let's keep it moving. Bucks, not much else to say about Everton. I think their whole team looks to be pretty much in dire straits. I'm not impressed at all from what I've seen so far. So they would be be a team that I would just completely stay away from. I know there are a couple players like Gordon or Gray, both at 5.5, who are being considered by managers to possibly replace Bailey or Neto. But I I don't think there's much value to be had there. I'd much rather have a 5.5 or 5 million defender instead and just kill off that uh, slot, which is actually what I'm considering doing with Bailey. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, Patterson, I think, had another good game, but there's just the Everton defense is so shaky and they're going to be in a relegation battle this year. They just do not have enough squad talent to be uh, really competing in most of these matches. What are you talking about, Bucks? Who's going to come in and save the day? Solomon Rondon. Oh, boy, that (laughs) is. uh, Or Alex Awobi, baby. All right. Enough talk about Everton. We we don't want to talk about them much on the pod. Um, unless they're giving up goals to other teams. So one goal fest that we want to highlight is Leicester 2, Arsenal 4, the first match for the Gunners at the Emirates. Wow. This was the Gabriel Jesus effing playbook. This was the coronation, one might say, of Gabby Jesus the son of our Lord and Savior. And as I predicted, it was an absolute goal fest. I mean, Jesus gets a brace of goals and a brace of assists plus three bonus points. He ends up on 19 FPL points. He was the clear top scoring player uh, in game week two. So kudos to any managers who had the guts to captain him uh, to end up on 38 points. That could have basically swung your game week single-handedly. So really impressive from Jesus. He had a get right match. And I know a lot of FPL managers who are kind of new to the game, uh, Rash transferred him out after he blanked in game week one. Keep the faith on Arsenal. They have some easy fixtures to come and they are going to come good. Another player who also is doing the business, Gabriel Martinelli. He stays hot. He, He has another goal and earns one bonus. So he has his second eight point performance of the season and worth mentioning, he is going to get a price rise potentially tonight to be his third price rise of the season. So he is just on a massive tear. If you have him in your side, uh, give yourself a pat on the back because he is doing the business at the moment. Yeah. Jesus is definitely underpriced at 8 million and he was heavily involved. They were playing a lot down the left-hand flank between Zinchenko, Martinelli, and Jesus, where we actually saw Saka to be a bit peripheral. And based on his price at $6 million for Martinelli and $8 million for the likes of Jesus, I think those two probably are going to get more open play goals. Now, obviously, Saka is on pens, and if you have him, you should hold him. They have a great run coming up and a triple up on Arsenal 
crazy to say that that's actually a very viable strategy from an attacking perspective. Um, I also love for Jesus, all seven of his shots, all in the box, right? So he's active. He's really shown off his quick feet, his dribbling ability. He's making the right runs, finding the space. He's just a Pep Guardiola product, and he's fitting right into this side for Arteta. Yeah, and on the other side of the pitch, you know, for Leicester, they look like in total shambles in defense, but their one shining spark is James Madison, and he is a true talisman-type player. He gets his second return of the season, his first goal, and he ends up on seven points. And I have to say that he is a player that I would love to have on my team, and if I was going to be wildcarding in the next couple of game weeks, he would for sure make the cut to be in my side. He looks to me like the most impressive of the 8 million pound players in the FPL game right now. Yeah. He's on all those corners, set pieces. He's been more attacking from open play. Uh, Dewsbury Hall has been playing a, a bit better behind him as well. So that allows him more freedom to go forward. And I just think that when you look at his purple patches from last season and into this season, he's just kind of entering the prime of his career and is a very confident player. Although Lester do Look to be up and down a couple of a couple of tough matches for them to start. Uh, we all think that Arsenal is going to you know, blow them out of the water in the table, but uh, hopefully some improved defensive um, results can come from this Leicester side as I still have Danny Ward who came in with a one pointer. And uh, I was very happy to see that Ramsdale also had a one pointer in uh, what turned out to be a goal fest here. Cause unfortunately Saliba, who is the 4.5 nailed center back at the moment for uh, the Gunners puts in a OG, a back pass, just right past uh, Ramsdale from a heading perspective. Yikes. That was uh, that one had Gunners fans uh, rolling around on the ground a bit. Yeah. And I know we were talking offline about Salba as a potential transfer target. He ends up on negative one point for FPL. And I just think that was his uh, kind of, novice uh, tendency showing up. He is a very class young player, but he has not had a lot of time in this club. And so I think that you're going to see a couple of these kind of laughable moments throughout the course of the season. He was really up and had a fantastic game in their opener where he was the man of the match. And then he kind of, you know, has a stinker, a very forgettable uh, performance against Leicester. With that, let's go to the next match. Newcastle at Brighton in a goalless snooze fest. So uh, this is kind of the opposite of the Arsenal Leicester class. Yeah. Nick Pope grabs five saves, gets the clean sheet and three bonus points for a whopping 10 pointer. He's really going to be up there. I think he could definitely end the season as the third highest goalkeeper. Uh, when we look at the end of the season points totals for keepers. Um, obviously we've seen him do it with Burnley before. So good to see him gobble up those bonus points. I know you have trips in the back line. He's delivered huge for you Two back-to-back seven pointers. I know he's got a tough kind of run coming up here, but I think you're happy to hold him and uh, maybe bench him for a few of these fixtures where they play the likes of city and Liverpool in their two out of their next three games. Um, one player that I have my eye on is one Lewis dunk. He gets seven points for the clean sheet and one bonus. And at 4.5, again, this is the lowest price he's had in four seasons. So good to see him uh, as a viable option in the defense as a potential fifth defender or everyday starter uh, as a fourth defender, even in some teams. Yeah, this game was highlighting that big at the back is just absolutely feasting to start the season. And, you know, we mentioned 
earlier that Liverpool defense is kind of failing that strategy. But across the board, there are gettable, well-priced defenders who are not only getting clean sheets, but they're getting a lot of opportunities to go at goal and vacuuming up bonus points. So uh, Dunk gets bonus points. Trippier gets bonus points. Nick Pope, basically the entire defensive units from both teams was listed on the bonus points recipient <laughs> list uh, from this Brighton Newcastle game. Not a lot of offense, not a very fun match to watch, but a really interesting tactical battle between what I think are two clubs on the come up. Yeah, Bucks, you called it out in some of our preseason pods. You expect Newcastle to be one of the most well-drilled defensive team this season and Brighton's been like that for a number of years. So when we look at some of the top defenses in the league, um, both of these are probably top half of the table. And uh, I could definitely see Newcastle even being the fifth or sixth best defense by a season's end. So um, it's definitely ones to monitor from an FPL perspective because they are cheap assets. Those who went with the boring Bob, the monster, Bob Sanchez in goal, you know, he had four points last week with a couple bonus and some saves this week gets six points. So he's off to a pretty good start as well at 4.5 million. Somebody who I will have my eye on for first wild card. Nice. Hopefully it's your good eye. Let's keep it moving. Born. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Listeners, you can't see this in the, in the pod, but I have a black eye right now. Have a little scar above my eyebrow. Took it right, uh, right to the face in a basketball game. Head to head contact. I'm luckily, luckily, um, you know, didn't get a concussion, but based on my FPL scores, you wouldn't be uh, surprised if I had one going with the likes of Mares and my team. All right. All right. I'm, I'm sorry to, uh, to twist the knife there. Bournemouth zero, Manchester City four, an absolute demolition at the Etihad and really impressive performance from last season's champions. They just continue to bring form into the start of this season. They look absolutely undeniable in defense. They are basically giving up zero chances to each of their opening uh, opposition. Obviously they haven't played the best teams, but West Ham and Bournemouth, uh, you know, Villa wasn't saying Bournemouth was a shit team last game week. That's for sure. And uh, City made them look like absolutely JV quality and dominant performance from them. Erling Holland didn't shine, but KDB really went off in this game. He had an excellent goal assist and three bonus points for 14 total. And Foden, he only gets 45 minutes, which I thought was a little bizarre but he gets a goal and assist in that time for nine points. So uh, he really should have had more. I think uh, this will be something that's talked about a lot by the uh, FPL punditry because he looked off and then shot himself on a wide open square ball to Erling Holland. And I know as a captain, as I know as an Erling Holland captain, holder in FPL. I was yelling at my stream when that happened. I was like, phone and passing the ball, you twit. I know it was a three on zero basically. And that ball could have even gone to Mares on the right side for a goal. And instead he kicked it right into the goalie. Um, that was a tough one because if he squares that to Holland, even though he had less than 10 touches, two of those touches would have been a goal and an assist. And that would have put him on basically a 12 pointer most likely. So um, for captainers, a, a bit of an unlucky break there, but this game was all about KDB. Once again, he's pulling the strings. He's had an assist in both of the opening matches. And then this goal Oh, that curler from uh, kind of the inside of his foot, truly, or actually that was it the outside, outside of his foot, 
truly incredible. Um, he's a player that you would love to fit into your side. And I know we'll discuss him versus the likes of Salah and Son a little bit later. But um, defensively, people who have started the season with Ederson and Walker at those kind of cut rate prices in their sides have been churning out these six and seven pointers. So uh, they look to be clearly the number one defense and they're relatively healthy too. So uh, you can't, can't fault anybody who can't fault anybody for bringing in any of these assets from a defensive perspective. Yeah. Cancelo was the top scorer in the defense, but he's also the premium asset there. He ends up with an assist clean sheet and two bonus points for 11 total, but Diaz, Ake, Walker, and Ederson all get six points as city defense just look like they're head and shoulders above the rest of the league at this point in the season. I mean, they're so well drilled. They're all been in the system for some time. So there's just not even like a false step one way or the other. They are all just in such great sync and yeah, I, I pray for the rest of the Premier League that they start uh, getting up to speed or else City are just going to absolutely run away with this season. Yeah, and then from a selfish perspective, you know, I fell into the Mares sticky wicket once again. I can't help myself going after some of that Algerian sweetness. And unfortunately, he, uh, he did get the start, had a few chances throughout the match, um, but didn't come away with any points. So he is a punt and my 8.0 bracket that did not come off. And I'll be looking to move him on, maybe even potentially for Foden, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later in our transfer plans and thoughts. Next up, Leeds 2 at Southampton 2. And I think, you know, we're going to spend most of this talking about the Leeds players, but I just want to shout out great resilience from the Southampton crew um, as they really battled back to earn a much needed one point result. They were down 2-0. Rodrigo is absolutely going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to start this season out. He is in fuego. He had two goals and three bonus points for 15 points. And Harrison, Jack Harrison also looked really good. He dazzled as the kind of top creator in game week one and he did it again in game week two he looks to be a great bet at six million he has an assist and gets a silly yellow card for four points and on the southampton side they had a new arrival aribo who's playing out of position as a 5.5 million super sub striker he gets the equalizer and one bonus point for seven points all out but the big story of this match is that Patrick Bamford has to leave with a muscle injury and it did not look good. So uh, unfortunately for Leeds, they might be without their star striker for majority of the start of this season, as well as having lost him last season. So that's a big reason to potentially get in Rodrigo, who will now be on penalty kicks. But this is really going to hurt Leeds as they were looking strong to start the campaign. Yeah, these are two teams that I think we can target for attacking returns. They're going to play a pretty um, open type of game, especially from a Leeds perspective. And Southampton's defense is just not up to par with the rest of the top half of the table teams. So I think these are two teams I'm very happy to captain against and to potentially um, you know, mop up some easy points when we go to throw our armbands on a quick note on Aronson. He's the American who's playing his second match for Leeds. He ends up with a yellow card and a one pointer. Uh, unfortunately he had, um, you know, a couple of shots on goal, but nothing uh, very impressive. So at 5.5, I know a few 
folks were excited about him as a potential Neto or Bailey replacement or just an enabler in their side. I think he's a wait and see, and you would definitely prioritize uh, the other attacking lads that you highlighted instead. Yeah, Rodrigo is definitely the Leeds player to target. And even though they play Chelsea this coming game week, he would be one that I would be racing to get in before he price rises. Yeah, he's already at 6.1. So uh, he could definitely rise one more time before this week ends. All right, next match, Fulham zero, Wolves zero. Jose Sa, ooh, what a tune he came out to, Bucks. He ends up with a massive 15-point haul and is really the only player to talk about in this match from a uh, big points perspective, especially when he's yeah. stopping the likes of Mitro, who was hot in game week one versus Liverpool, and now he's not. Yeah, sa 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 baby. He was uh he was dancing all over that pitch. He gets the clean sheet, uh penalty kick save and a save point as well as three bonus. So 15 total massive and he brick wall stops Mitrovic who ends up on minus 1 point after the amazing incredible effort in game week 1 against Liverpool from him. I think Notably in this match is that Fulham now have two penalty kick attempts in two matches. So uh, Mitrovic might be a player who will come in on a lot of FPL managers wild card because he's getting a lot of these easy kind of set spot uh, attempts on goal. So you love to see that. And at 6.5 million, uh, that's a dandy of an opportunity to get once a match. Yeah. You got a feel for managers who made the knee jerk move and, took out Jesus and went to Mitrovic. That is the difference of 20 points. Could you imagine, Bucks? Could you imagine knee-jerking so badly that you went from the likes of Jesus to Mitro in game week two, a 20-point difference? And wow, that, that, would, uh, that would hurt very much right in the baby makers. Well, I got to say that if I was one of those managers that made that move, uh, I would not be long for this FPL season. I would probably be just throwing in the towel right after uh, seeing those results come through. But uh, fortunately, we were both patient and did not do any transfer moves going into game week two. And that should be a word of wisdom that if it's not a glaring issue in your team, best course of action is probably to roll the transfer. It's very valuable to have two free transfers. It gives you the potential to do a mini wild card with a hit in any odd game week. Yeah. Really funny to think about the promoted teams through the first two matches, like Fulham gets a clean sheet here. NFO got a clean sheet versus West Ham in the opener. Uh, Bournemouth cleans Villa. They got all, all these clean sheets. This, this is what we thought Liverpool was going to deliver. And instead these promoted teams are uh, pr playing pretty compact and pretty defensive to open up the season well you know everyone is trying to be leads and everyone is trying to be wolves from seasons past but you know who those guys really are this season brentford and i was picking them as kind of my sleeper dark horse coming into the season and holy cow they smashed what was supposed to be a big club in Man United, 4-0 at home i know their stadium was rocking and rolling based on this result and to make matters worse, all those four goals came in the first half. The first time in Man United's history that they gave up four goals in a half. So Eric wow. Ten Hag, you have some explaining to do, my friend. I am still shocked. I did not know that stat. That's the first time ever they've given up that many goals. And they just came. It was just a complete annihilation in the opening half. Um, you know, Every time I went to go get a snack, I came back and there was another like two goals on the board. 
very impressive performance from Brentford. They have really rebounded from a somewhat tenuous preseason and they seem to be finding their stride. So Manchester United, stay away from all their assets, stay as far, far away from them. And uh, conversely, you'll be looking at Salah as a potential captain next week when they play Liverpool, who should be extra motivated to lay the smack down on a porous defense. Yeah, it's bizarre because even the kind of veteran rocks of Manchester United had real wobbles in this match. I mean, David De Gea let in a stinker of a goal to Jacob De Silva for the opener. Uh, the ball was basically in his arms, and then all of a sudden it was squirting into the back of the net. So love to see that from a 4.5 million enabler. He's now 4.6 million. He ends up with eight points, his second return of the season. So that's great to see. Jensen gets a goal assist and clean sheet and three bonus points. So he ends up on 14 points. He's definitely a player to watch at 5 million as well. Ben Mee. I mean, this Burnley guy was having a field day. He even was <laughs> tweeting about it. I feel like at halftime, I feel like I saw something. He had a goal and clean sheet and two bonus points for 14 points. That's definitely the best Ben Mee has ever played against Manchester United. I'm not even going to look in the in the records or at the past fixtures. I know for a fact that he's never played that great and felt that good playing against Ronaldo, let alone against Manchester United. Yeah, definitely a absolute shit show for United. I have no idea where they go from this. Um, I, I, it's just such a mess. I don't, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it because that's what the mainstream media is talking about. And we're more focused on a fantasy uh, podcasting perspective, but oof, I feel, I feel um, this is, this could be a season of horrors for this United team. Yeah, and they're in 20th place. And you mentioned a shit show. So I just want to double click on that because they were wearing these horrible Mountain Dew colored lime green jerseys. And if you had too many Mountain Dews, you would be feeling the same way Man United are currently playing right now at this point in the season. So Brentford have a pretty impressive uh, run coming up. So we're going to see a lot of owners uh, moving the likes of Nunez to Tony. Tony comes in with two assists and one of them was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was one of the, the classiest assists of the whole game week where he receives a over the top ball at maybe 40 yards away from goal. And he just lines up a beautiful assist to Mbomo who puts it past to Haya for the fourth goal in the first half. And he's a very classy player. I think this is somebody who is on penalties he had eight points in game week one, nine points in game week two, and it's just going to be a model of consistency. So if we see a lot of owners who get frustrated with maybe owning the likes of Robertson, I could see them switching and going bigger up top with somebody like Tony. So uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. And he's on my short watch list for game week three. Great chat. All right, let's keep it moving. Nottingham Forest hosts their first match back in the Premier League in 23 years hosting West Ham, and they get the W, 1-0. They blank uh, West Ham, and really concerning for West Ham. They have not scored a goal yet this season, and really massive showing from Dean fucking Henderson. He is supposed to be competing for that United number one jersey, but instead he is solidly a brick wall in front of the city ground fans in what was a unbelievable atmosphere for this match. I felt all the feelings uh, for Forrest. They were wearing those beautiful, classy, 
all red jerseys with no sponsorship. It really just felt like they were playing a pickup game in the park with their mates. And there was just such joy watching them play in front of their home crowd back in the Premier League. Uh, Awesome to see. So Dean Henderson gets a penalty kick save. He gets a save point. He gets a yellow card. And he gets three bonus. So he ends up on 14 points. You're seeing a trend here that a lot of big scores from goalies in game week two. And then Nico Williams, budget darling. He looked exceptional. I thought he had a couple fantastic corner kicks. He had one terrible set piece. Um, but it's good to see that he's on them. I mean, he probably won't be after he skied that field goal attempt, but he ends up with a clean sheet and one bonus point for seven total. So a really strong performance from Forrest and they get the W. So that's all that matters. Yeah, this was very, very unfortunate for West Ham. Honestly, the Hammers had two shots from distance hit the bottom of the crossbar and then go straight down and go straight out back into play and not into the net. So those who were unfortunate and then Antonio barrels over a guy after um, VAR looked at it. So Ben Rama's goal gets chalked off and uh, then Declan Rice misses a penalty kick. Um, him and Mitro both had terribly taken penalty kicks and that's led to some huge keeper scores. Ultimately there are better days ahead. I think there's a, there's an alternate universe where um Basically, West Ham wins this match 3-0 the other way. So uh, great, great for NFO to get this win in front of their home fans and get some points on the board. But I'm not expecting them to have these types of performances, especially when they play the likes of Spurs coming up in the next few game weeks. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, One area for concern for West Ham is Jared Bowen. He's not really so involved as we were expecting after his really incredible breakout season last year he's playing a little bit deeper and we're seeing ben rama and for kind of be the creative uh going forward engines so that's just a player to put on your watch list if you happen to have him in your club um 8.5 million is a bizarre price point so he could be an easy downgrade uh to someone at 8 million or even you know someone a little bit lower down the price tier yeah from an eye test perspective ben rama was the one uh, very attacking. He was dribbling past a number of defenders, getting into the box, making some late runs and just causing chaos. Um, he actually had a really strong start to the season as well last year. So uh, interesting to see how West Ham bounces back from these two losses um, to start the season. Yeah, let's go to the match of the weekend. And this was a heavyweight battle uh, in all intensive purposes of the phrase. Um, I think we're both Chelsea fans, so I could just say this right out, right? Big F you, big curse on Anthony Taylor and Mike Dean, the ref and VAR uh, ref in this match. They absolutely stole this result from Chelsea, who were totally dominant in the first half, and they were just so much better than Spurs. It was a masterclass from Tuchel um, from a strategy perspective, and You know, the issues with Chelsea and their ability to put the ball in the back of the net continue to haunt them and steal what should be otherwise easy points in the standings because um, they were so dominant. The fact that they only scored two goals is a little bit of an insult to the way that the game actually played out. Yeah, Bucks, when you say a heavyweight battle, I was thinking you fighting Anthony Taylor in front of the entire uh, Stanford Bridge crowd. I knew wow. you were you were hyped up. You had some words to say in some of these group chats. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to blow a gasket or an artery or what was going to happen. Um, 
you were you were pretty fired up and you had reason to be. That was a tough, tough one to lose at the death. Harry Kane gets that goal where what's the 96th minute where we see Cucurella's hair get pulled by Romero and they don't call that. It was very frustrating. Um, a few, a few of the refereeing plays, uh, obviously you want to, you want to take better control of the game and make sure that it's not in the ref's hands, but this was definitely one where uh, I'm seeing a number of Chelsea supporters trying to get petitions signed to get Anthony Taylor, the F out of Dodge. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, ultimately the attack for Chelsea is kind of, nondescript at the moment. Um, I think that Sterling is playing a pretty uh, important role in the squad and he is opening up space, but I don't see it working at the moment with the likes of Kai Havertz, who has been pretty poor. He actually missed a huge chance in this game that could have been the difference maker in two more points and uh, just a bit unfortunate at the moment for the Chelsea attack. So luckily their defenders are cheap and they're great value and Cucurella, Koulibaly, James, they all chip in with some good hauls from an FPL perspective. Yeah, so Cool Bali, Sterling, and Cucurella all make their debuts in front of the Stanford Bridge. Cool Bali scores a screamer of an opening goal from Ooh. a volley off a corner kick. He ends up with seven points. Reese James had the second goal. He had another silly yellow card and ends up with only one bonus because of it. He also lands on seven points. And Cucurella, notably, he gets the start with Ben Chilwell currently still getting back to fully fit. And he looked fantastic playing that left wing back role. He ends up with an assist. And most notably, his hair was very clearly pulled uh, on the corner kick preceding the leveling goal from Harry Kane, which clearly shouldn't have happened. And I think obviously that would have been overturned if Mike Dean, a noted Spurs fan, was not on VAR duties for this match. And I think even going above and beyond that, the opening goal from Emil Hoiberg, uh, he had a great strike from outside the box, really quickly struck it uh, into the far corner past Mendy. He ends up with three bonus and 10 points for that effort. But Richarlison was pretty directly offsides in Mendy's line of sight, uh, blocking that shot. So I think both the Spurs goals probably shouldn't have counted. And yeah, just uh, flatters Spurs that they escape Stanford Bridge with one point. They are definitely going to celebrate that draw as if it was a victory and Chelsea, you know, despite getting the point, definitely feel like that was a loss and uh, they were hard done by the result in this match. I mean, Mike Dean is a notable bald guy and I think he just was jealous of Cucurella's lustrous hair. And so he's like, no, nope, I'm not going to call this. And uh, that led to the unfortunate demise of three points for Chelsea um, elsewhere. I mean, I just cannot wait to see this rematch later in the season these two managers square off a number of times, Bucks, and we've gotten some great memes. We've got some great banter from the two of them. Um, Conte is a notorious celebrator of goals. Uh, even when it's the, playing against the likes of Southampton, he's celebrating with all of his uh, assistant coaches and players and trainers. And this time we see the goal come in from Reese James and oh, Tuchel just loses his shit. He's sprinting down the side right in the face of one Antonio Conte and uh, later <laughs> these guys slide into each other's DMS and say that he should have <laughs> tripped him. Oh my goodness. The drama. You love this part of the game. I'm, I'm here for it, baby. 
That was like a WWE match on the sidelines. I mean, it wasn't actually violent, but it was pretend violent. And there was a lot of uh, big dick energy uh, being espoused there <laughs> without actual exactly. any like thing to back it up. So uh, just really exciting match. I think this is what the Premier League is all about. Two heavyweights really just giving it its their all. And I think this is not the last matchup uh, with some haymakers and some and some fireworks between Chelsea and Spurs. I think more so than Chelsea and Arsenal, which has historically been a big match. I think Spurs and Chelsea is now the kind of de facto biggest match between the London clubs. Um, so that's one to watch going forward. Yeah, especially with Kanze having coached um, some glory years at Chelsea in the past as well. And then the arm wrestling handshake at the end of the match, Bucks. Wow. That, that that's produced some great memes too. those two squaring off. So we're looking forward to better days ahead for all of these assets. I know some people had the likes of um, Sonny boy or Perisic pretty quiet matches. I think uh, it's, it really is interesting to see Spurs really take their time to bet in their, their big signings, right? Uh, we haven't seen Richarlison or Basuma start, and then we haven't seen the likes of doc or Perisic start as well. So they've been, you know, they rolled out, Sess and uh, Royale, who is kind of mediocre at best, uh, for my opinion, on the right-hand flank for the wingback role. So I'm just curious to see what the lineup looks like next time they play Chelsea and uh, maybe Perisic gets the full 90. Yeah, well, quick prediction is that Perisic came on and so did Richarlison. I think they both made a big impact. So I fully expect that Perisic will be starting game week three against Wolves. And so he is a player that you might want to scoop up as he is not going to be 5.5 million in all probability. He'll probably be 5.4 million by the time you look to make the transfer. So he could be good value uh, having recently price fallen. Let's keep it moving. Crystal Palace went to Anfield, 1-1 result and Wow, if you are a Crystal Palace fan, you were dancing in your briefs uh, watching this match. Uh, I think most engaged Premier League fans, most engaged FPL managers were expecting a lot of points from Liverpool in front of Anfield, coming off a very frustrating and disappointing result away at Fulham. And it was not to be seen because, I mean, Patrick Vieira, another masterclass on the sideline playing this counterattacking style with Willie Z as the false nine, and it worked to a T, to say the least. Yeah, this is a match where you and I both owned Trent, Rabo, and Salah. Those players make up about 30 million pounds of our budget, and they totaled seven points. Really, really frustrating. I think you and I womp, had a lot of womp. Yeah, we had a lot of optimism going into this game. Um, I guess from an effective ownership perspective, since we captained Holland, you know, we didn't want to see uh, Mo really pop off, but this is uh, kind of embarrassing. These first two matches from a defensive perspective. I mean, they had so many men committed um, in the attack that the counter, you know, Zaha could have had a hat trick on another day. He had some good opportunities. He ends up on seven points and no bonus because he did really uh, flush a few of those chances down the toilet, but Vieira, hats off to him. It was one of the best um, you know, performances that he's put together from a defensive perspective because I was, you know, they didn't start a striker. They had Ayu and uh just the lone ranger out there um in Zaha, and they they made him pay. So 
Again, this was Nat Phillips's first appearance in the Premier League in quite some time with Matip and uh, Kanate both injured. And then Gomez was also not fit to start as well. So this was one that hopefully we, they put behind them. But I'm really concerned about the double up that we have at the moment because we really put a lot of stock in this defense and thought we were going to come out ahead. But instead, Diaz comes in with uh, nine points. He gets a wonderful solo goal when they are down a man and uh, they get the draw in the end. But uh, between the likes of Diaz and Nunez, these new guys, they're going to take a little time to bet in into the entire Liverpool squad. Yeah, let's just go back to the defense for Liverpool because this is the sixth straight game where they have conceded and gone down 1-0. So they haven't lost any of those six matches, but they also, you know, this kind of bit them because they've now drawn the last two matches. They can't always be conceding early and spotting the other team a goal and expect to be league champions. I mean, not when City are humming the way that they are. Mo Salah continues his ineptitude in game week two, and he blanks in this match, And which really, he snapped the streak of really hauling against Crystal Palace. He was averaging 10.9 FPL points against Palace in his last six Uh, matches against them. Bucks, the classic, something's got to give. Game week two for Salah hasn't scored, but averaging 10 points over the last six matches versus Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace comes out ahead on that one. And managers are are pretty uh, irked by that blank. And uh, we saw a lot of the kind of casual FPL fans uh, actually captain Salah. Salah and Holland from an overall captaincy perspective were at both about 35% um, active managers and engaged managers really flock to Holland. But um, you know, happy to see that blank because if he would have gone off, then we would have been in a much different perspective in the overall ranks. Yeah. And before we jumped on the pod, Brian, we were talking about Mo and how he really had some great efforts on goal. He had Gaita beat twice and missed combined, I would say, by a foot on either side of the goal. Uh, so he was close and he had his chances, but uh, Liverpool were just a little too wasteful this game. And We should just mention Darwin Nunes absolutely lost his mind for a moment on the pitch. He headbutted Joakim Anderson. He ends up as the lowest scoring player this game week, minus two points overall. Uh, He saw what Mitrovic did. He saw what Declan Rice did. And he said, hold my beer, guys. I'm going to show you one better. (laughs) Hold my beer. Yeah, that was a just Uruguayan rampage gone wrong. I'm very surprised to see this happen to start the the his you know his first start at Anfield is definitely a memorable one and uh you know Liverpool are very very fortunate to come out not in a good way obviously not in a good way I mean that is a real I mean Klopp was furious at him because not only did he make the stupid boneheaded play on the field but then he's like going at the ref he's fighting against his teammates to not leave the pitch I mean that just shows a little bit of immaturity and shows why Klopp started game week one with Firmino because despite his low upside as an attacking threat he's Mr. Reliable and he just makes the players around him tick on and better and Nunez is a little bit of a young selfish striker. And we love that for FPL purposes, but this is the kind of the ugly that can come with that type of player with that level of intensity. Yeah. He was fighting with Milner and not coming off the pitch. They had the cameras pan over to Klopp and Klopp was yelling at Milner, get him off the damn pitch. 
man, uh, scenes, <laughs> scenes, but they're again, very fortunate to have drawn honestly in both of these matches. I think there's an, another scenario where they have dropped, they could have dropped three points in both of those. Um, so this creates a bigger bubble in front of city in the early, uh, doors of the season. Yeah, an unpredictable relegation battle coming up in game week three between Liverpool and Man United. (laughs) But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to address some community questions. Mailbag time. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. We're going to break down some of the top questions from our community this game week, starting with Corby Olson, who asks, Cucurella looked pretty good yesterday. You Chelsea lads have any insight about his place in the squad? Bucks, I'll let you start this one. First and foremost, Corby, you know what? We should not be giving you any advice. You're already lapping both of us in the FPL standings at this point in time. So chill out a little bit, man. All right. Leave some points for the rest of us. Yeah, that's right, Corbs. He's uh, in his second season, one of my good buddies from high school, and glad to see him flying to start the season. But hey, those top managers are always looking for an edge, and Cucurella at $5 million, he could definitely be a player that enters a lot of FPL sides because we know the points from an FPL perspective come from the defense at Chelsea. Yeah, so worth mentioning, the reason Cucurella is so interesting is because he really is competing directly with Ben Chilwell, who... We have high expectations for he smashed it when he played last season for Chelsea. Worth mentioning, Ben Chilwell played in a developmental match versus Fulham. So he is clearly not fully ready to go at the moment. So with that in mind and the performance from Cucurella being considered against a real top team in Spurs in game week two, I fully expect he will get the nod to start in game week three at that left wing back spot. And I expect that once Chilwell is healthy, assuming that Chelsea do not sign another center back. I mean, Wesley Fafana has been flooding the Chelsea transfer talk rumors at this point in time, but Leicester seem uh, to be holding on pretty firm to not sell him for less than a King's ransom. So with that in mind, I think Cucurella and Chilwell are both great gets. And I think that they can play together. Cucurella has played at left center back before in his career at Brighton. So he's a really versatile player who offers a lot more than Kyle Walker at that same 5 million price point. However, the flip side is obviously we've we've mentioned it before that city are just the most solid and most reliable defense. So you're kind of banking on attacking returns while giving up a little bit on the defensive front backing uh, Cucurella move over one Kyle Walker. And I think they're direct uh, competitors for that kind of 5 million defender price point. Yeah, it's very close between the two, but ultimately I do really like the fact that Cuckoo can play either the left center back or left wing back spot. And he's a very classy player. He's coming into his own 24, 25 years old. This is actually only his second season in the premier league as well. So he's only going to get better with time. Um, I thought he looked a lot better on the left-sided corner kicks than Reese did last week. Um, you know, Reese was very wasteful and somehow oh, still got a sure. bonus points. <laughs> I think he was uh, maybe had one good corner out of thirteen. So good to see both Mason Mount and Cucurella come into the side for some of those corners in this game. Um, but yeah, definitely somebody that I'm actively thinking about downgrading my Robertson 
double up in defense on the Liverpool perspective, save 2 million and go all the way down to Cucurella. It's definitely something to consider and a, could be a shrewd move. Tanner Starbard asks, did Nottingham Forest get lucky or are they the Brentford of this season? I think we need to pump the brakes here a little bit, Bucks, but I'll let you sound off first. They definitely got lucky, but the reason Nottingham Forest are getting so much attention is because they are absolutely splashing the cash in a big way in this transfer window. They have signed 14 players for almost 200 million pounds collectively. So they are right towards the top of the table in global transfer spend in world football. I mean, they're competing with Chelsea, Arsenal, Real Madrid, PSG, Barcelona, <laughs> and then there's Nottingham Forest. So bravo to that team. Um, but I think that they are still going to be uh, a bottom half club at the end of the season. Um, but I think they probably, this is going to be an important point for them in their battle to stay up in the Premier League. So can't sneeze at three points, no matter how they come by in the Premier League. Yeah, you have to give the owners a lot of credit. They've waited nearly quarter of a century for this moment to be back in the Premier League. And then they are really trying to stay up. So even though they've made all these signings, it is going to take them some time to uh, kind of build camaraderie with each other, build that rapport on the pitch. So very fortunate to get that three points uh, immediately versus a a pretty tough opponent in West Ham. Um, I think it was, again, pretty lucky. The XG in this game was 2.3 expected goals for for West Ham and 1.15. So they they double them up and they still get a 1-0 victory. So very fortunate. But um, the only player that I would probably want is Nico Williams. He, like you said before, looked pretty solid um, from an attacking perspective. They're not going to keep that many cleans, but it does help that they have a really classy goalkeeper behind him. And at 4.0, he is the uh, enabler that you need in your side to stretch the funds elsewhere. Yeah, I just want to double click on the Dean Henderson shout because what these promoted teams really need is they're not going to be at the same level talent wise in defense that most of these big Premier League clubs or clubs that have been up will be over the course of the season. So the fact that Fulham landed Burnt Leno and Forrest landed Dean Henderson, I think those are two massive gets and probably will be the most important transfers for both those clubs, irrespective of who else comes in and how all the other outfield players play. Having a competent and quality goalkeeper is the difference between staying up and going down in this kind of league. Yeah, good call there. Uh, Corey Cummings asked, I'm looking at starting Nico next week, potentially with Trippier playing city. Can we rely on Henderson to have another worldie and for Forrest to keep more cleans? They're playing Everton away. So uh, again, I'm actually also going to be starting Nico this week. Um, you know, if I get five points out of him, I'd be happy, maybe an assist and they give up the, give up some goals or um, maybe they get lucky with a clean sheet again. Honestly, like, they put in a good shift, but I'm not expecting them to keep more than 10 clean sheets this entire season. Uh, what about you, Bucks? Believe. Keep the faith, baby. I would definitely be starting Nico Williams. I do not have him in my team, but I will also be benching Trippier, most likely, against City. But I think Nico Williams, you have him for a reason, and he is an enabler who's playing. He's on some opportunities from dead balls. So just Keep the faith. And if he gets two points, you know what? He's only 4 million. He's really enabling the rest of your team. I think worst case scenario is that it's a 1-1 draw at Everton because neither of these teams can really score. And I actually think that 
Forest are the better side at this point in time. So I think they'll be slightly favored by the bookies uh, to have better clean sheet odds and better scoring odds than Everton. Yeah, Everton hasn't scored a goal from open play in their first two matches, but they are playing at home. And we know at Goodison, they really put in a good shift in front of that home crowd. And that's what kept them up in the Premier League last season. So uh, that one's a tough one to call, but I would I would start Nico. I'm looking at starting him over Bailey because of the rotation threat there. And so hopefully uh, some of us managers can get lucky with this enabler. Yeah, one more thing. Uh, another four million pound defender is Patterson on Everton. I would also be starting him if you're in a pinch with Trippier. And he's played so well that I think Trippier is one that why do I keep saying Trippier? He's not French. He's British. Weird. Uh, <laughs> Trippier know. is one that I would be keeping. He's a hold. He looks spectacular when Newcastle do right in defense. He's going to get bonus points. It's just the nature of the way that he plays. He's on a lot of creative uh, going forward opportunities from set piece and corners. So he's a solid hold for me right now. And if I had Nico Williams or Patterson, I would be comfortable starting both of them in this match. All right. Next question is from Nick Hazi. He asks, is Salah necessary? That is a short question. Bucks, what are your thoughts on this one? Yes, it's a short sample size. The guy's going to get right. He's the best FPL player I've ever witnessed in my short career. And he is essential for that reason. However, I would say that uh, Nick Hazi and Corby both knew something we didn't in backing KDB in this match because uh, he really shined as their captain and outscored Holland, outscored Salah, outscored them both together as uh, kind of superhuman uh, two and one combo. So uh, very impressive from both them. And yeah, I just think that there's so much value in midfield. And I would really think about skipping strikers altogether to chase midfield points this season. Yeah, interesting take there, Bucks. I mean, we're going to see some good hauls from Kane and from Holland. So I think those teams that actually went with thremiums, which I know is uh, Knicks, and he scored about 88 points this week. Having a solid rotation option of the premiums for captaincy is a big deal. And nailing your captaincy is really what separates you from the rest of the pack every single game week, especially for Nick this week. Um, I was chatting with him earlier. He had both Holland and KDB. So it was a really smart bet to go with KDB, knowing that he did own Salah and um, and Holland this game week. And it really paid off in a big way. So well done there. And uh, we're going to see the likes of, um, you know, the common manager who doesn't have KDB really get some FOMO as they have a huge run coming up. Just can't afford him. Yeah, he's a tough player to fit in with all the other quality players at reasonable price points. Let's go to our last question. That comes from Andrew Steinberg. He wants to know who are the standout budget enablers in defense and midfield. And so we we cobbled together a short list of options, starting with one Martinelli. I think he's the clear standout budget option, sub 6.5 million. He's getting up there in price very quickly, though. So if you don't have him yet, I would... Uh, race race to the transfer market to bring him in yeah i think if you have a eight million pound midfielder who is not performing and you don't have martinelli that should probably be your priority transfer in i think he's really great value at that price and they have a huge run of fixtures all the way through game week eight so you can confidently start him versus bournemouth i know some 
managers are even thinking about captaining uh, Jesus this week. So if you think that Jesus is going to perform well, Martinelli is likely to be involved as well. And they seem to have that Brazilian connection off to a flying start to start the season for the Gunners. Yeah, we mentioned this next player, Rodrigo, earlier as well. He's definitely a player that I would have firmly on my watch list. The issue is that they play Chelsea in game week three. I think he's a stay away for the time being. But if you're cash strapped and need to make the move to fit him in now, or potentially you're going to miss out, I would not be waiting and I would be okay starting him uh, as an upside pet and a differential against Chelsea. Um, I just think that with Bamford out, he's going to have penalty kicks and he's already been so attacking. So he just has uh, all to play for right now for Leeds. He's going to be their main man. Yeah, I rate him over Jack Harrison, who has also trickled in with a couple of assists to start these matches. Um, two players to watch, but definitely have to prioritize Rodrigo as he looks to be nailed in the squad with Bamford out. Last season, we saw Rodrigo come in and out of the side, uh, even with Bamford injured all season. But given his current form to start, he's the, um, the Leeds player to go for at the moment. Now, shifting to some of the defenders, I know we already covered Nico Williams and Patterson, both at $4 million. Those guys are good shouts for your first potential bench slot, or if you maybe want to have a low floor player in your starting 11. But there are some 4.5s with some really um, you know, great opportunities to score FPL points. And you can get the likes of Lewis Dunk at 4.5. You get Saliba at 4.5 as well. And then uh, somebody else we haven't spoken about is Rico Henry. He's a wingback uh, for Brentford and he's looked pretty attacking in the past. I think he had three assists last season. So these are a few players uh, that come to mind. Obviously you're not going to expect a ton from them, but you will see them, you know, get on bonus points from time to time because of their uh, pass completion percentages. And uh, Lewis Dunk, like I said before, he's had multiple five, um, expected goal involvement seasons before where he's even outperformed that. So you would expect that over 38 game weeks if he's healthy as well for Brighton. Yeah, I think Lewis Dunk is the one that stands clear above the rest, not just in size and real life player profile, but he is a captain of Brighton. So I expect he will be starting most matches and he's also on a couple free kick opportunities, depending on the location of the spot. So uh, he's, he's the one that I would snatch up. He's much higher upside than Robert Sanchez. And that's why you would chase him at 4.5 million and swerve Sanchez in net. And again, it's very early in the season. We're going to see a few more enablers come out um, and really showcase their talents, especially as we see a few injuries start to happen. Um, so keep an eye on as many matches as you can to see who passes the eye test and who could kind of match that easy uh, patch of fixtures coming up. That's a great transition, Brian. We're going to go to our final break. When we come back, we'll discuss the matches to target as well as our transfer plans, captain selection, and our sign out. Let's get out of here, baby. Let's go, go, go. All right, let's preview a few of the matches to target for FPL points. Liverpool at Manchester United. Salah is looking like a really clear captaincy choice with Manchester United being the bottom of the table in the Premier League and leaking goals left and right. Bucks, this is probably a good opportunity for the Salah cap just because they've also come off a really tough fixture where they did not get the result they were expecting at Anfield. So Klopp will have them well drilled and focused for this match. 
Salah looks like he needs a bounce back game for sure. And so do TAA and Rabo. I would not be selling them just yet. I would hold the faith and keep them for this game week. Uh, Man United do not look like they are a well put together team at this point in time. So I would just hold for another game week, give Rabo one more chance in your team. And if it doesn't turn out, then you can transfer him out to upgrade elsewhere. Um, Next up in our docket is Arsenal at Bournemouth. They are a team that could be got by City and Arsenal are basically little city. So uh, they have a former assistant coach in Arteta leading the line for them and a lot of ex-City players as well. So I think that Gabby Jesus can come good once again. He potentially could be a nice differential captain option in this match uh, against Bournemouth. And I expect Arsenal like Liverpool, will also feast in this game. Yeah, this is a really good opportunity to be doubled up on the Arsenal attack. They have a nice fixture run coming up, and if you don't have two of their attackers, um, they're so cheap, I would definitely be prioritizing bringing um, Jesus into your side if you didn't start with him for some reason and went against that huge 70% effective ownership, or if you don't have the likes of Saka or Martinelli. Both are going to be key for Arsenal moving forward. Yeah, I think a triple up on Arsenal attack might even be viable uh, starting in game week three moving forward. Last match we want to call out is actually the first match of the game week, and that's Wolves at Spurs. And I think we mentioned Perisic. I expect he will start. So I think that Spurs defense could be on some big scores based on this matchup. Wolves are a team that struggle to score. And in front of the home crowd, I expect Spurs will be well motivated to snap back and put on a strong performance that erases any and all memory of that first half against Chelsea. Yeah. And then from a pure watch perspective, I'm excited to see Manchester City go to St. James Park and play Newcastle. That could be a relatively tight match. We obviously expect City to win by a few goals, but I'm just eager to see how uh, Eddie Howe's side come out and play the Premier League champions there. And then another one I'm really curious to see is how many goals will Leicester and Southampton put up combined? I'm thinking maybe <laughs> six or seven goals. These are two porous defenses, and I'm expecting uh, the likes of James Madison to be a huge differential. He's under 5% owned and could be a player that gets 15 points this game week. Wow. Like that shout. And uh, yeah, that will definitely be a explosive affair. I think no one will be playing defense, uh, not even the, uh, the stewards uh, guarding the sidelines at the park will be uh, defending that match. They'll just be pitch invaders and goals left and right in that game. All right, Bucks, let's talk about our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. Uh, I have two free transfers, 0.0 in the bank. And I actually made an early transfer on uh, Saturday night. I can't believe that. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I was in a position where I, I punted on Mares once again to start the season. He scored four total points. So two blanks there and uh, he was going to play price drop. So this is a sensitive time of the season where um, I don't have a lot of team value built up and a couple of the guys at the 4.5 mark from a defender perspective that I have my eyes on, um, you know, if they, price fall or rise, I'm kind of in a, a tough position. So I moved Mares to Foden um, to continue my city love affair. But again, I'm just very impressed with uh, the way that city have come out to start the season. Um, you would have thought that Liverpool would have come out the same way out of the gates, knowing 
the excellence that they have to put on the pitch to keep up with City. And uh, it's kind of been the reverse for Liverpool to start. So I went with Foden. Again, he was playing the left or the right. Um, he got the slap on the hand from Pep for not scoring the ball to Holland and played 45 minutes. So he's ready to come in to the side. And I just think that he is a player that, you know, it, there's a world where he actually makes that goal and then he has two goals and an assist in that match and gets max bonus and plays 70 minutes. Right. So he's just an explosive option. And um, I want to, I want a piece of that uh, attacking side from city. It's interesting. Cause I, I think if we would have waited to make that transfer, Brian, we would have been discussing Gunduan a little bit more because it seems like Davi Silva is out of favor and heading to Barcelona in all likelihood. So I think well, Gunduan. Da- so 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 David Silva is already in Barcelona because he's retired, but uh, Bernardo Silva oh, is excuse also. me, yeah, <laughs> he's catch. also nice. He's also rumored to be going to Barcelona. I mean, the valuation that City has on Bernardo is, I think, like. 85 million pounds. It is a huge number. So Absurd. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if Barcelona somehow scraped together another a hundred million uh, US dollars. Um, I don't know where they're turning couch pillows over, but um, anyway, yeah. Gundo it's definitely somebody on the watch list at 7.5, but I just like the, um, the ability for Foden to even play the false nine if they need to rest Holland, um, just a versatile player. And I think he'll he'll tick along with um, some big uh, 10 pointers coming up in their fixture run. And then I'm going to roll my other transfer. Uh, I have nothing else to do. You know, Bailey is a problem at, if he's going to price drop. So I will watch him because I I don't want to lose that that point uh, one in value. But at the moment, um, you know, I'm just going to start Nico Williams over him and have Bailey be my first bench against crystal palace and keep it moving so next week i'll have two frees that is my plan bucks you got two free transfers as well what are you thinking yeah so i'm also on mo salah as an early captain for my team and i had two free whoa whoa whoa. i didn't even tell you about my captaincy bucks um yes i'm on mo salah as well and the reason is because the last three matches that Liverpool has played Manchester United. They have scored four or more goals in each of those three matches. That means Salah is primed to go off and Klopp will um, have them ready to go. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, so we're both on Salah and we both also had two free transfers. But like you, Brian, I also made an early move. I had 0.5 million in the bank. But what I've learned from my two previous seasons of FPL is that the early part of the season is all about building team value. And this is important, not for every game in game out, but when you hit that first wild card, being able to get an extra 0.5 million of juice into your team is going to make a big difference to get all the players that you really want to start in your 11 starting 11, let alone to have a quality backup and first bench or even second bench. So I'm really chasing some extra team value in the first couple of game weeks. And because of that, I moved Bailey out and I brought in De Silva from Brentford. He's a player that I've been marveling about. And I shouted him out a couple of times from our Twitter account. He since has risen in price and he might even rise in price a second time this week uh, based on where he's trending. So I like that move. It means that I now have another free transfer and 1 million in the bank at this point in time. But I'm also thinking that because Neto is healthy and seems to be relatively attacking and Andy Robertson is currently not injured, 
I'm expecting that they'll both come good at some point in time. So I'm also going to roll my second transfer, go into game week four, hopefully with two free transfers and one million in the bank. So I will be able to make some wholesale upgrades if need be. Yeah, very astute of you to mention to the listeners about team value. Obviously, it's not a make or break thing, but tenured managers will bring that up and focus on that. So they're not priced out of certain price points at the beginning of the season. And then ultimately, when you wildcard and you sell these players, you'll be able to get half of the team value um, in your side. So I think these are smart moves and having two transfers to sort out what we're going to do with Robertson if they do blank again versus Manchester United will be important to have. Um, again, he's 7 million. So there's some good 4.5 million pound options. There are some potential merging forwards um, and just players all in defense that we might want to replace Robbo with. So having those two freeze would be uh, pretty smooth to have. So I like it bucks. I think that's a wrap for this game week three preview pod. Thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, we're going to leave the league code out and open for a few more weeks here. And soon enough, we'll have over 250 managers in the FPL Blues Super League, in the FPL Blues League. So thank you for joining us there. The code is 4MUMS2. 4MUMS2. Yeah, I would say it's the best code in the FPL game. And oh, if hands you're not down. already, hands down. I, I, you know, there could be some funny ones also, but uh, four moms too is pretty strong and give some love to the mothers in your life. And also, if you're not already, follow us on social. We're on Twitter and Instagram, where we're very active at FPL Blues Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. We love to get our engagement from our listeners in the form of community questions. So looking forward to getting you involved in our mini league and in the podcast moving forward. Thanks, everyone. Subscribe if you're not. Again, we're on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you name it, we're on it. Yeah, and we do appreciate you taking the time to review the pod or just slap in a five-star rating on there. I know that we could use some more of those reviews on Spotify, so appreciate you taking the extra two seconds to hit that five-star review. Thanks, everyone. Five stars, five stars, like our performance so far this season, Brian. Thanks, everyone. I mean, maybe from a podcasting perspective, definitely not from a team perspective. Hey, I'm in the top 200K, so I'm happy about that. Let's keep it moving. See you guys next game. Thanks, everyone.